You're listening to The Tales We Tell, a podcast about spooky stories, unsolved mysteries, and local lore. I'm your host, Hannah Parch. And I'm Katie. Welcome to the house. I noticed this time I've gotten a lot better about not stumbling over the title of the show. <laughs> for, You've done really well for a long time. Thank you. The only time it ever trips you up now is a tell we tale, and mm. I think even then, like you, you, you know it. It's just you start second guessing yourself. I do. Um, yeah, for a while there, I couldn't remember what we had called ourselves. So I was like, the tale I tell. A tale, something. Um, anyway, we are back. Uh, I think we said in the last episode, we're double recording this week. <laughs> so, this is the second time in a week I've seen you. Um, fun news that's not in my notes, but I did just tell you, and I'm very excited to share with the world. <laughs> Kelly got her DNA results back. Jarek gifted me a DNA test uh, for my birthday. And prior or contrary to my guesses, she is 100% American Pitbull Terrier, which I know means a lot of things, but <laughs> I was really convinced she had something else in there, but I, she, she definitely has a, a lab look to her. She does. She's just 100% the cutest dog in the whole world. Because yeah, a lot of labs have, like, a, I guess a, a little bit of an extra layer of fat to help insulate them because a lot, because they're water dogs. Yes. You know, the labs and retrievers and all We that don't know stuff. if Kelly can swim yet. Although her, uh, she has webbed toes. So, I don't know. Anyway. Um, throw a toy or throw a sock in the water and see what happens. <laughs> uh, There's a couple of good spots along the river here for it. She didn't have her um, water vaccine thing. I don't know. The vet told me. The vet asked me when I took her for her first visit. <laughs> Katie looked at me like I was the biggest idiot in the world. The vet told me when I first took her in, uh, asked if she played in natural water. And I said, no. And she said, okay, you can skip this vaccine for now. But if she ever does, come back in and tell them you want the water vaccine. (laughs) So is there like a waterborne illness that dogs can get vaccinated for? I'm sure there is several. I just, oh, gosh. I, I don't know of, I know the vaccine <laughs> names, but I don't know of their, I guess, nicknames, like the water vaccine. <laughs> I guess the only one that has a quote nickname to it is the Parvo vaccine. Oh yeah. Which I think she got. I don't know. She, yeah. I mean, she was a puppy, so that, like mm-hmm. she was a puppy in the shelter, <laughs> so they would have yes, given her Yes, she did Parvo. start as a puppy. <laughs> That she was a puppy in the shelter yes, that okay. you got her from. Yes. So, yes, she would have okay. gotten right. Parvo vaccine. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to go into my real shout-outs that I wrote down. Um, the first one, I really hope that one of the four people that I'm about to shout-out are listening. <laughs> Uh, really? I'm just, no, I hope all four. Yes. Um, so the stars. I'm shouting out Sweet Annie's Coffee and Bakery, which is in Bayboro, North Carolina. Specifically, my favorite barista in the whole world, whose name is Erin, who makes my large iced hazelnut latte with an extra shot of espresso. If anyone wants to buy me coffee, that's what it is. Um, hey, any man that 
knows and can get your coffee order right, like can make it right, it's a man worth keeping. Yes. To be fair, Jarek doesn't know my coffee order. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Aaron knows it, but I still tell him what it is every time I come in. Um, anyways, I was I go there on my lunch on Wednesdays to like finish up writing stuff. And last, whatever last time I was there, um, he finally asked me what I was working on. And I told him about the podcast and his, I think it was his dad and his brother happened to be there and his brother does like producing and his dad was telling me about space podcasts. Shout out to, uh, nine days in July, which is a nine part podcast about the, uh, Apollo 11 mission. Cool. I'm listening to it now and I got my dad to listen to it, obviously. And maybe my dad will listen to it. Yeah. It's really good. It's got like actual like audio and it goes into the lives of the astronauts and it's very cool. Um, but they were very sweet. And then the next day I went in and miss Annie, um, who it's named after and is also Aaron's mom asked me about it. She's like, I heard that you have a podcast and she let me put stickers out and she said she was going to listen. And I told her to skip the first like three episodes. (laughs) Really, probably like the first five. Yeah, I was like, you know what? Just start in the middle. (laughs) Because she was like, oh, I have like 26 I can listen to. I was like, oh, no, don't start from the beginning. (laughs) I was like, just skip ahead. There's, I mean, there's the Jarek episodes, and then there's the uh, very steep learning curve of us really. Hannah and Katie don't know how to shut up and (laughs) consolidate tangents. (sighs) Yeah, so. Anyways, they're super great. They're a family-owned business. I don't mind spending, like, $7 a day there for my coffee and pastries um, because it's locally owned. Mm -hmm. Shop small. Yes. Um, And I should have grabbed the card because his brother has a business, and I don't know what it is. (laughs) Um, Sorry. If you're listening... Or if you're there next time I get coffee, I'll make sure I get it. See, this is why we need to hire him. Yes. We need somebody professional <laughs> who will keep us organized for these kind of things. Yes. Aaron's brother, whose name I don't know, uh, if you want to do some pro bono work for us, as I told you, we don't get paid for this. So <laughs> for now, we're going to keep using Jared because he's free. Uh, my second shout out is to our friends at Night Classy. They. Um, hey, ladies asked (laughs) they asked for suggestions for episodes and i suggested from our account the mandela effect and they used that in episode 23 and they gave us a very kind shout out where they again are under some delusion that i thoroughly research all of our (laughs) topics because this is the second time well no obviously you do because remember our critic uh Uh, does fact check okay well There's a dissertation in this one that he can fact check that. Um, They're just very nice when they give shout outs and they make us sound way more professional than we are, which is ironic because they literally have a professional producer for theirs. Like they have a production company, (laughs) which it's because they're in relations with, but it's, (laughs) they're great. You should check them out. It's all about who, you know, this is true. Um, and then I put in here just because I wanted to be better about mentioning the local artists that we like to support. So we have Susan Jennings Designs, who does our art, um, our logo art. John.Pluto.Brown is who does our music. And he also just recently started a mobile DJ business. And he's honestly, I'm sure I've said this before, like literally one of the nicest people I know. He came over the other day. Um, 
to because he had his first gig for his DJ company and he had a suit and he needed to iron it and he he texted me he's like I don't have an iron can I come over I was like yeah come over and like you know whatever and he brought his two girls with him who were like four three or four and almost one and I was like oh my god like little baby in a tutu running around my house I was like come over anytime He's just the nicest. And he also let Jarek borrow his car this week because Jarek's car broke, which is why our yard looks so trashy right now with all of our cars. Anyway. Oh, and uh, Corpse Pixie, at Corpse Pixie, da, did our um, cartoons and our little cartoon of us recording. Um, and she is local, and she's very reasonable with her prices. And guys, if you don't know how fun it is to have yourself made into a cartoon, just DM her Literally, I just said we don't make any money. We're very poor. We could afford her and support local artists because she's super great. Okay. Katie, (laughs) do you have any updates? I do, actually. Okay, I'm so ready. So, I actually, my dad emailed me earlier this week an Hmm. article And I just kind of wanted to do an update from our Buried Alive episode. (gasps) Ooh, okay. So, you know how we had a couple of those stories were very recent? Yes. I have a story from Monday. (gasps) And maybe Sunday. Oh, gosh. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, uh, let's see. Tamisha Beauchamp, or Beecham, I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce it. Um... If anyone who reads or watches Outlander, it's spelled like Claire's last name. Gotcha. Um, She was... uh, First responders came to her residence, found her unconscious, and after 30 minutes of CPR, pronounced her dead. Okay. Brought her to, uh, I believe, the hospital where another doctor or medical professional Uh also confirmed, yes, she is dead. Okay. She was... Put in the body bag, brought to the funeral home. Oh gosh! On the embalming table, they were literally about to stop, start draining her blood. They oh unzipped the body bag uh-huh. and were like, "This woman is still breathing." <gasps> so yes, <laughs> the the embalming people at the the funeral home. I know they have to have some medical training, right? Quite a bit, actually. Um, Just some. But I mean, there was. First responders, trained EMTs, uh-huh. 30 minutes of CPR, oh my and then also double-checked by another medical professional, and the folks at the funeral home were like, uh, y'all need to take her back right now. She is still breathing. Oh my gosh. And so, uh, what I found in this article about it um, is, you know, in your episode you kind of focused on the what it's like. Like, we've only kind of, like, really looked at it from the person's perspective. (laughs) Yes. Without really thinking about the perspectives of their loved ones. Oh, my gosh. So, I've got a couple of quotes here (sighs) for you. Okay. How how old was this woman? Do we know? She's 20. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very young. This is her mother. Um, So, this was the first call she got. Okay. She says, they said, ma'am, she's gone. I told them, are you absolutely 100% sure that she's gone? They said, yes, ma'am, she's gone. Um, And that's when her body was taken to the funeral home. I shouldn't laugh, but knowing how it turned out, that seems... (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, more than an hour later, the staff confirmed she was breathing. She was then rushed to the hospital, <laughs> and the funeral home called her grieving mother. And this is again. Oh my gosh. Um, her her mother <laughs> saying, "They said, ma'am, your daughter is on the way to the hospital. She is breathing. She is alive." This devastated my life. I said, what do you mean? What do you mean she's breathing? She said, ma'am, she's in the hospital. So, I mean... Oh, my gosh. Like, yes. This poor woman. Like, just that whole, this devastated my life. Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely. Like, she's still reeling from the fact that she just lost her very young daughter. Oh, my gosh. And is trying to begin processing just that information, not even her feelings or her grief, just grasping that concept. And then a few hours later, get another call that say, oh no. Just kidding. She's still breathing. She's on her way to the hospital. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And unfortunately, I don't have any, I couldn't find any updates about her current condition, Mm -hmm. but when she was rushed to the hospital, she was in, uh, in critical condition. Okay. And I never found out what was the cause of her being unconscious and unresponsive in the first place. So I don't know if she had an accident or if maybe she had some random medical thing or if maybe um, she'd, you know, eaten or drinking something or accidentally poisoned herself or maybe intentionally poisoned herself with drugs. I have no idea. I can't even begin to speculate. And I have no idea what her current condition is, if she was able to, you know, pull through the critical condition, if she's going to recover. And then one of the questions that the lawyer posed to Mm -hmm. the the press in this interview is, you know, what kind of uh, impact is this going to have on her long-term prognosis? Like, you know, the amount of time in between when first responders Mm -hmm. found her unresponsive they 30 minutes of CPR and then yeah. transported her somewhere for a double check mm-hmm. transported her to the funeral home and then probably I, I think based on what I read I think it was like an hour after she got to the funeral home they unzipped the body bag and she was breathing Jeez. and then of course they had to get somebody to bring her right. rush her back to oh, the hospital gosh. so that she could get medical treatment Yeah, I feel like that's one of those di- like if you're working at the funeral home at that point, that is one of those, like, I quit days. <laughs> like, I, no. But, like, I didn't sign up for this. Done. I would just be so... I, I guess who decided, frustrated with the other medical professionals yeah, like, out there. Who... I would have made... I would have made the... Whoever had to call... Well, okay, no, that's... It wasn't... It wasn't anyone's fault. It's not like she wasn't really dead... I assume. But, like, to be that person that has to make the phone call that's like, uh, your daughter came to us in a body bag, but turns out she's breathing and she's on her way to the hospital. Like, ugh. Yeah, how do you how do you make that call? I don't know. I'm so glad I don't have to make phone calls like that. <laughs> yeah, me too. All I have to do is say, uh, your insurance isn't paying for this. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's like a... Like, technically, yes, it's good news that your daughter is still alive. Yeah. But at the same time, like, her world has already been rocked by hearing that her daughter was dead. And then, like, this just 
it's it, it's like okay that's great that she's still alive and like yeah. I'll process that later but I am just so angry and sad and confused yeah. <laughs> hi I was going through like the first stage of grief and you just threw a wrench into it so I mean she was probably still in shock not even processing the whole yeah. grief stages yet because I mean this was a pretty quick I think turnaround from again when the first responders found her to yeah. the funeral home calling her mother and being like yeah no she's not dead actually jeez and so, like I don't I don't know how much time passed between that first phone call and then the second phone call yeah but probably not a lot and mm. I just I can't uh well that was a real downer for the beginning of this it's <laughs> Katie <laughs> Oh, she's still alive. That's good news. Uh, well, but anyway, that was from one of our listeners, a.k.a. my dad. Aw, thanks, Katie's dad. Uh, and uh, if your dad wants me to start sending him direct emails with all the sources for my stuff, I'm happy to do that, too. Uh, he listens on iTunes. He should be able to just go ahead and click on the bio. Okay. He's tech savvy. He can figure that out. I'm really proud of uh, this particular source list because it includes, number one, an actual physical book that I read or am reading, and a dissertation paper from 2012 from LSU. So the last two Mm -hmm. tells we tale. Mm Mm-hmm. There have been books about ghost ships and then mm. the local, um, like, ghost stories of the coal region in Pennsylvania, and I think some in North Carolina region as well. And you read both of them? Uh, no, because <laughs> the libraries are still closed. Uh, no, they're not. They're not? No. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to go I do mean, some you more should, research. I mean, you should definitely wear a mask in the library, but no, they're not closed. <laughs> okay. Well, I think they still were when I did ghost ships, though. Probably, yeah. Um, I had to call the library to find out if they were open. Um, okay, so I'm not going to tell you the name of this yet, because I'm going to tell you my other proposed name that is too long to go in the title space. So a follow-up boy title? Yes. I present to you how Alexander Hamilton inadvertently had a role in creating one of the most haunted places in America. <laughs> You know, I'm honestly a little bit surprised that it's taken this long for there to be a Hamilton-themed Would episode. you be surprised to know that I did not go about researching this, seeking out a Hamilton connection? It just fell into my lap. I believe that. Okay, good. I do. Well, I'm going to start with the Hamilton side of it. It's not about Alexander Hamilton, guys, but, you know. No questions or homeworks for me? Um, well, I'm going to ask you... Well, sure, I can ask you a question. All right. Uh, do you like whiskey? Oh, very much so. <laughs> but, you know, not too much. Not too much, Shelton. We're... <laughs> as the remnants of my whiskey Diet Coke that I had while I was finishing up my notes last night. Well, at least I know that's there when I kill my wine. This is true. That's mostly ice. Melted ice. <laughs> Um, with your ice maker that's brown (laughs) okay my next question is are you familiar with the whiskey rebellion yes okay great i mean not enough that i can tell you anything about it but (laughs) you've heard of it yeah okay enough that you know synapses are firing in my brain okay well alexander hamilton caused the wicks with the Whiskey Rebellion. Taxation, right? Yes. In 1791, 
he, well, I don't know when he proposed it, but in 1791, the whiskey tax was signed into law, proposed by Alexander Hamilton. If you will remember, for anyone, I'm so sorry. From the cabinet battle song, Thomas Jefferson. Yes. Watch what happens when you try to tax tax our whiskey. whiskey. There's also the part in that cabinet battle where he says Hamilton wants to assume state debts. Mm-hmm. So Hamilton did do that. He consolidated state and national debt mm-hmm. because after the Revolutionary War. It's so that he could basically open up a new line of credit, but like a, a, yes. as the federal. A financial diuretic, if you will. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've listened to this album so many times. Me too. <sighs> um, so all together, the total debt was about $79 million, and it was going to be paid off by the federal government. To do that, the federal government needed a way of generating some more revenue. So Hamilton did some brainstorming. Um, imports were already being taxed to the maximum amount, so he couldn't do anything there. And he felt that a land tax would really cause a lot of uproar with farmers. Mm-hmm. And so he said, well, distilled spirits are technically a luxury item. So we'll tax those. I know it's not going to be popular, but it's the... And so are feminine products. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, such a luxury. Uh, <laughs> to not bleed through my pants. Um, so he knew it would be opposed, but he thought it's like the lesser of all of the evils, basically. So, obviously, people got mad, and the Whiskey Rebellion happened. It lasted between 1791 and 1794. Dang, that's a conviction. Yeah. They were committed. (laughs) So, um, the government sent troops to enforce the tax, because there were people who were rebelling, rioting, and refusing to pay it. And in particular, there was a man named David Bradford, who lived in Pennsylvania, who was part of this uprising. And he fled to the South to avoid being arrested. There's a legend that says he had this daring escape, complete with a midnight chase on horseback and gunfire, and he jumped on a boat, and then the troops jumped on the boat, and they threw the troops into the river, and they pelted coal at them, and all this stuff. The reality is, he was kind of reluctant to leave. I think, like, a friend basically convinced him, like, get out of here, we don't need you here, and he left at a leisurely pace. As do affluent white men. <laughs> so. Sorry, when you were talking about like this grand adventure uh-huh. that people had crafted through their storytelling, mm-hmm. um, I was kind of replaying different scenes from movies that I've seen where there are <laughs> daring escapes. And, uh, you know, like from horseback to jumping on the boat made me mm-hmm. think of Lord of the Rings and. Ah, uh, yes! <laughs> And then, of course, I think I landed on uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Mm-hmm. And just... There you go. Just I, c- I couldn't take it seriously anymore. <laughs> Thankfully, you followed up very quickly with... Yeah. In reality... In reality, it didn't happen that way. Much more drab. Yeah. So he moseys on down to Louisiana. And... Oh, hey now. I know. This is why I'm interested if you know about this. So I'm also interested to see if there's still a Louisiana after this. Ah. Yeah. Uh, right now, as we're recording, uh, Laura is pummeling the Gulf Coast. Yes. 
sorry. Um, we do hope everyone is safe and evacuated and, you know, the best you can get with a Category 4 hurricane. Um, well, at the time, if you remember our Louisiana um, history lesson, um, it was, remember, wasn't it built because it was so high above sea level or something stupid that mm-hmm. wasn't real? Did, uh, <laughs> didn't they say they built it? Never mind. No, it's because <laughs> it is um, floodplains by the mouth of the Mississippi, so mm-hmm. it was really good for import-export. Uh, and basically, uh, most civilizations like kind of uh, really cluster along coastlines. Gotcha. And like the the, the I guess the epicenter or the beginning point mm-hmm. of you know cities and like just. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> civilization? Not con- no, civilization, not conquering, but like... Um, uh, society? Colonizing. Colonizing. Ports. Ports. Yeah. Okay. So, kind of like our town was the first capital of our state mm-hmm. um, because it's on the mouth of this big river that's wide enough oh. to for the big ships to come in to from through. sea that right. they can come up here Gotcha. And, you know, trade and import-export. Okay, cool. And, you know, we can get way up into the state, so. Get all up in there. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, it was a port city. Okay. Well, it was also a Spanish colony at this time. <laughs> yep. So, People in, always forget that it was Spanish before it was mm, French. I didn't know that, despite my brief history lesson 100 episodes ago. 20 some episodes God, ago. If only. <laughs> I know, right? What's the Ugh. biggest party ever when we get to episode Oh, uh, right? Okay. Uh, so in 1796, Bradford purchased 650 acres in St. Francisville, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and named the property Laurel Grove. He built a house and he lived there alone until 1799 when good old President John Adams. Also, if you listen to Hamilton. John Adams. <laughs> he was a terrible president. Uh, yeah. But he pardoned, uh, I guess, a bunch of uh, rioters or rebels from the Whiskey Rebellion, including Bradford. Well, even a, what is it, a blind dog can find a bone or something. <laughs> a broken clock is right twice a day. This is true. So. He still sucked as a president. He was still a very bad president. Um, so Bradford's pardoned, so his wife and children get to move down with him, and he starts a family. Okay, so, he, they have children after David, did I say his, David? Did that, is that what his name is? Uh, David, yes, I'm okay. sorry. There's a bunch of different white men in this. I just know Bradford. Okay, Bradford. After he dies, the house... Um, and the property passed to his daughter, Sarah, and her husband, Judge Clark Woodruff. Okay. Is Judge his name or... His title. Okay. His name's Clark. So, there's some legend that I'm going to kind of dabble in right now. And we'll go into whether or not it could be true later. So, legend says, Clark was kind of a scumbag. Shocker, I know, for an affluent white judge who lives on a plantation farm property. Spoiler alert, it's a plantation. Um, I mean, it is in Louisiana. Yes, it's 650 acres. Come on. Um, So Clark took one of his slaves as a mistress, a.k.a. 
repeatedly raped her. Um, the girl's name was Chloe. Isn't it nice how, like, delicate... Nice little words. The like, revisionist mistress history and, is. Yeah. Affair. Uh, so, the girl's name is Chloe, and the quote-unquote relationship lasted for several years. And in this version of the legend... What does Miss Sarah have to say about this? Who? <laughs> Did she have her own mistress? No. Presumably not. So, Chloe was really worried that Sarah would find out. And so... And she was worried that she was going to be punished. And I put in here, she's probably in this, like, really horrible place where being found out meant she would be punished, obviously. But... She couldn't... Not being found out meant that she was just... Subjected to Subjected to being raped by this gross man. Also... When I asked if Sarah had her own little man on the side, uh-huh. too, I, for some reason, all automatically assigned that maybe it was one of the male slaves that she had maybe. taken into her bed. But the interesting thing is that, like, there's... What is the movie? Is it a birth... The, a, the birth of a nation birth or whatever? Where they, you know, have white actors... God. White actors in black Oh, face, gosh. And they portray the black man as uh-huh. this predator and yeah. rapist. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, it's the white man that's raping the black women. Yep. And so, yeah, they it's... Yeah, black men are evil and bad, but... Right. You know, black women... <laughs> fair game. And it's just... Uh, I. I can't. I can't yep. even. Um, let's yeah. get back to the story. Yeah, and if anyone has any questions about why we're going to call this relationship rape, regardless of, you know, whether, like, how Chloe felt about it, you can I, at us, and we can have a conversation about power dynamics. And There is always the possibility that mm-hmm. everything was totally on the up and up, and, but, like, she was all for it, right. and, like, it was all good, but... The percentages of those times actually happening yeah. are just minuscule. Yeah. And there's microscopic. Almost no way that given that power dynamic, because it was if she was his favorite, and if she continued to act like his favorite and do the things that made him happy, she wasn't gonna get punished. She was gonna get the nicer jobs. Like it We're reading a book right now. I say we because Katie knows about the book club. Katie used to be in the book club. Uh <laughs> It's really good. It's called uh, Conjure Women, and I wish I could tell you who it's by right now. Um, but it is about it switches, but it's about a woman in the eighteen sixties and seventies, and it switches between when she was a slave and after they got their freedom. But it talks a lot about like this, just that dynamic of even if you know the master was being nice to you, you're not. You're not ever on the same level with him. And even if they're treating you like the favorite, quote unquote, you know, they always well, have like the upper hand. When pedophiles are grooming yeah. uh, their yeah. prey, um, you know, it's all like, you're such a pretty girl, mm-hmm. you're such a pretty boy, and you're just so wonderful, and let me shower you with treats and mm-hmm. dress you all nice. Like, it's pampering, but it's still abuse. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even if. He treats her, I'm using air quotes here, well. Yeah. It's still abuse. Yeah, absolutely. And also, she's still a slave, and just, I don't, yeah, I don't care. Like, I don't care also, how nicely you treat a slave. Don't have slaves. Yeah, don't have, yeah. Mm. 
<sighs> okay. Sorry, I feel like guys. I need to put, like, a whole another source list of, like, we, literature to read. Uh, we've had a, a bad week. Yeah. You've more than me. I've had a, I've, my weekly, so I try to set weekly goals for, like, you know, little <laughs> things I want to accomplish. Uh-huh. Um, anywhere from, like, laundry to finishing a craft project. Mm-hmm. This week's only goal, survive. Oh. <laughs> just, just make it to Friday. <sighs> well, that's tomorrow, and we have wine right now, so. <laughs> Katie's silently weeping. All right, let me finish telling you this horrible, horrible tale. So, uh, Chloe was worried, you know, about a lot of things. So, uh, she may, I put in here, I'm speculating, she may have just been getting paranoid just about the whole situation. There's not a good way for it to turn out. Either way, she begins listening in on family conversations that are happening. And at some point, she gets caught doing this. Her punishment was to have one of her ears cut off. And after that, it said that she wore a green turban or a scarf wrapped around her head to disguise, you know, her injury. Just to hide it. Yeah. Um, so Chloe obviously wants revenge on probably Clark. And in in this scenario, so he's just caused her, he's ruining, obviously ruining her life, causing her pain physically, emotionally, whatever. Um, so she thinks the best way to get to Clark is through his wife. So she waits until Clark is out of town. She bakes a cake with oleander leaf extract. There's actually an oleander plant tree, whatever it grows on, on the property still. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked this up. <laughs> it is extremely lethal in small doses. It can cause... Confusion, dizziness, weakness, visual disturbances, various cardiac cardiac abnormalities, including heart block. Uh, just not good. Uh, so she bakes a cake, gives it to Sarah and the children, and Sarah and two of her daughters died from the poisonous cake. It's a bummer about the kids. It is a bummer about the kids. I'm going to assume that they were kids and not, like, teenagers or, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. young adults or something. I'm pretty sure they were kids. Uh, um, so they hopefully wouldn't grow up to be. Yeah. Let's slave assume that they were, <laughs> they were on the path to goodness. Yeah. Um, so in a somewhat of a twist, the other slaves found out and they got really worried about what Clark was going to do when he got home. And they decided that they were going to take justice into their own hands. So Chloe girl, they found Chloe charged her with murder, and hung her from a tree on the property. And after she had died, they threw her body into the river. So, <laughs> there's an alternate version um, that is similar, but I'm including it because it has different motives and it portrays Chloe slightly differently. And this is apparently the version that is told on tours that are given of this property. So, in this um, legend, Chloe was not a victim, but was a gossip and was someone who felt like she was superior to her fellow slaves, maybe had, like, a high position in the household. House slave versus mm-hmm. field slave. Yep. And so, she wanted... she Her goal was just to stay in the good graces of her master. 
And so she would eavesdrop on conversations and then report back to the rest of the slaves and kind of spread gossip about the family. One night she was caught eavesdropping, was punished uh, by having her ear cut off. And then in her effort to get revenge, she either wanted... So this is she could have either wanted to kill the family for revenge or she wanted to gain her position of favor back by making them sick so that she could come in and take care of them. Which, strangely... Like Munchausen by proxy kind of a thing. Yes. Y'all, this story has so many parallels to this damn book that I'm reading. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil it, but everyone go read it. It's very good. It's like 10 bucks on Amazon, too. It's really cheap. Um, yeah, I was asking Bea about it the other day. It's just like, man, it's all right. Of course you would think it's... Me and Bianca have opposite tastes in books. The ones that I hate, she loves. The ones that I love, she hates. Take my word for it. It's really good. You can borrow. I'm well, she had yeah, like positive things. <laughs> we'll see. We pushed back the meeting to like three weeks from now because we're all too lazy. That's why I'm not in book club. I know. <laughs> but um, we also have picked the next two books and I've bought both of them. So when I finish this one, I'm just going to. I'm also, I'm a book bulimic. I binge and I purge. So I'll go through a phase of like three or four months where I've constantly got a book in front of my face and I'll, yeah. I'll just read 10, 15 books in a matter of a couple of months. And uh, then I will get to one and it just doesn't fully hold my attention. Yep. And I put it down and I don't touch a book for like five or six months. Oh gosh. And so it's just like that inconsistency. Yeah. Well, when just you... made it not fun for me. Anymore. Yeah, I get it. Because like forcing myself to read a book when yeah. it's. Anyway. Well. I'll let you borrow this one when you're done. And if you don't like it, I don't care because I'm not going to read it again. Oh, yeah, I would like to borrow it. Okay, great. I'm almost done with it. Um, okay, so she might have been wanting to get her place back in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest is more or less the same. Sarah and two, two of the children died. Chloe was hanged by either her fellow slaves or Clark. And her body was thrown in the river. So it sounds like... Fairly different stories, mm-hmm. but with the the facts that are uh, true, she's a house slave. Yep. She was caught eavesdropping. She yep. was punished by having her ear cut off. Uh-huh. Um, and the girls got sick mm-hmm. and died. And whether it was just they got sick or right. whether it was she intentionally did mm-hmm. it. To either poison them or to make them sick so she could heal them right. and be praised. Um, that's that's the only kind of fuzzy bit about it. Yeah. So there are, you know, <laughs> at least a few things <laughs> that line up. <sighs> well, I'm going to continue on with a little bit more history. Oh, and then she was hanged. That, yes. That. Hanged, body thrown in the river. Um, in 1834, Clark sold the plantation to a man named Ruffin Gray Sterling, who remodeled the house and renamed the property the Myrtles Plantation. Have you heard of the Myrtles Plantation? Okay. Have you been to the Myrtles Plantation? (gasps) Oh! Have you seen Chloe? No. Okay. Uh, sorry, I got real excited. Um, <laughs> so it's funny, I had completely forgotten about what it used to be called because uh, I'd just grown up always hearing Myrtle Plantation, Myrtle Plantation. Yeah. And I was thinking the other day, I'm like, you know what? I think next Tell We Tale, I might want to do the Myrtle Plantation. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Beat me to it. Beat you to it. There's a ton of stuff on it too. So, ha, jokes on you. This one was easy. Uh, <laughs> 
It was named after the myrtle trees, which I looked up, did not know that that's what myrtle trees looked like. Great myrtles? Yeah. Jarek loves those trees. Um... Oh, okay. One of... A lot of, like, southern Louisiana, like, swampy trees are mm-hmm. very, very pretty. I'm sure. Well, it's also really great for the, um, the moss. Ah, uh, that well, could be full of spiders, so watch out. All I... Listen, all I remember is on the ghost tour, uh, down at, uh, the... Whatever church has all the, the bodies buried mm-hmm. there. Uh, one, the lady was like, oh, yeah, and then the Spanish moss uh, dropped a bunch of spiders on someone who was, like, disrespecting a ghost or something. <laughs> so be careful around moss. Um, one of Sterling's daughters, who conveniently doesn't have a name, inherited the property after he died and took possession of it with her husband, who does have a name. His name is William Winter. In, dumb name. Well, uh, he doesn't have a great ending because in 1871, an unidentified man shot him on the porch of the house. He was able to make it inside, William was, not the shooter, and stagger up the stairs only to collapse on the 17th step. And some legends say that he died in his unnamed wife's arms. And then in the 1970s, so 100 years later... <laughs> The Myrtles Plantation was purchased by the Myers family, who turned it into a bed and breakfast. And this is where our ghostly activity begins. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. I know it was a lot of history, but it was interesting history. Um, also, I have a feeling that we're going to talk about some apparitions and uh-huh. the whole walking through walls thing. Uh-huh. And I, I want to bring up something about why ghosts walk through walls. Mm. Okay. Do you want to do that now or after I tell you about some ghosts? Tell me about some ghosts first. Okay, great. So I'm going to give you some generals and then I've got a couple specific stories for yeah. you. Hit and me then with I... the stories, I'll hit you with the theories. Okay, great. So, people report seeing a girl in a green turban on the grounds. That would be Chloe. Guests, including a reporter who visited the bed and breakfast, reported hearing their names being called. Very creepy. I don't like when a ghost knows my name. I used to hear that all the time. Stop it, Katie. You and your shadow people. It sounded like kids down the street playing and, like, calling my name for me to come play. Maybe there was just another girl named Katie there. It's no. Really I knew name. all the kids on my street. Sure you did. Rachel, Renee, Andy, and Alex. And me. <laughs> Maybe they were just calling you to come play. I then opened up my windows and I didn't hear any children. Mm, okay. Don't like that story. <laughs> uh, speaking of windows, sometimes people see a young girl in the windows. Um, the Woodruff children are allegedly in the mirrors. And this comes from a the legend. The daughters who got sick and died, yes. whether poisoned or yes, whatever. Uh, legend says that after Sarah and the girls died, all of the mirrors in the house were draped in black lace as per traditional mourning practices, but one mirror was overlooked and in that mirror, their souls got trapped because the reason you cover the mirrors during the mourning period is so that the souls don't get trapped in them. Um, and once they're trapped in a mirror, can they travel to the other mirrors throughout the, uh, house? I guess that was kind of unclear. I also really hope that all this noise I'm making with my glasses that I hear in my headphones isn't transferring. Can you hear this? A little bit. Sorry, everyone. I'm trying to be better about wearing my glasses. My eyes hurt. Um, there is 
out of left field a Native American woman in the gazebo. Of course, this is because people say that the plantation was built on ancient Indian burial grounds, as is much of America. Well, I mean, whether it's a burial grounds or not, it's definitely built on stolen land. Definitely built on stolen land. Um, I actually, uh, I I had to, or I attended a, like, a webinar Mm -hmm. thing. Very interesting. And... Like, the person introduced things, like, first, before we really get in, I just want to make sure, like, everyone acknowledges that wherever you are, wherever you are sitting right now, you are sitting on stolen land. Mm. And she was like, if you're interested, if, like, you're unaware and we're interested to see whose land that was originally, here's a great link to go look it up. Ooh. Luckily, I did already know whose land this used to be. Oh. I want to start things like that. That's a badass bitch way of starting shit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was, since it was a webinar, you're like, you're supposed to put in the chat, like, mm-hmm. introduce yourself, you know, your name, your title, where you're from. Whose land you're on. And so that's what I did. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm Katie. Uh, this is my title, and I am on this tribe's land. Oh, gosh. Sorry. Um, I don't have any more information on the Native American woman. She's just chilling, making sure everyone remembers. I think people just like to make up yeah. in Native American hauntings. This is true. I mean, there was one in yours. Mm-hmm. Mm. My Cherokee man. So, uh, William Winter, the guy who was shot, can be heard staggering up the steps, replaying his last moments of life. He is sometimes seen, ugh, I hate when a ghost does this, crawling up the steps. Ha. Oh. I hate a crawling ghost. Uh, But he always stops on the 17th step, unable to go any further. Um, There is an alleged person-sized blood stain in one of the doorways. You know how I love person-sized anything. Person-sized shapes, mists, anything. Crawling around. Oh, gosh, I hate crawling things. Uh, So it said that this blood stain can't be cleaned, that they've tried to clean it, and it won't come up. Um, Alleged. This is all alleged. So I'm sorry. Sure, it's a blood stain and not just like water damage, oils and sap from the wood aging. You know what? Don't ruin the legends. Sorry, I'll keep my science and reason to myself. (laughs) Yeah, get out of here, scientist. Um, During the Civil War, the house was ransacked by Union soldiers, as it should be, and. Three men were allegedly killed in the house. I think these were soldiers that were killed. Also, here's a fun bit of my history. Uh, One of my great, great relatives um, (laughs) apparently hid, I think he hid in the fields and watched Union soldiers burn down their farm. I'm really sorry. I'm from the South. My whole family's from North Carolina. Eh, It's not great. We were on the wrong side of everything. Uh, And he watched Union soldiers burn down his farm, and then he never wore blue the rest of his life. Because that's what kind of petty people I come from. (laughs) I respect that. I mean, I don't don't respect a lot of things (laughs) about our history, but I respect pettiness. Uh, Okay. I am a petty creature. I'm also a petty bitch, so. Oh, sorry, everyone. Uh, All right, time for my left. Wait, I have one more. I have one more. Um, A young girl died in 1868 in the house, and she apparently had been sick and was treated with voodoo. Can't have a good Louisiana story without voodoo. And she is said to appear in the room where she died, and also 
practice voodoo on the people who sleep in the room. Just a fun little... Do you know that voodoo is actually a religion? Is it? Mm -hmm. Oh. And uh, within voodoo, there's a lot of saints that are like also the catholic saints <gasps> Ooh! so i haven't i haven't done a ton of research on voodoo and like no i don't know i mean i know basically enough to know that i don't know anything <laughs> um but it is it's technically it's just a religion it's not so much like the people like to think of it as like witchcraft like yeah. the pointy hats and the warty noses and the double bubble yeah. world trouble um what's well, isn't that like how satanism is like yeah, Satanism gets a bad it's rap like because a of really chill. Satan, but they're actually just really cool people. Like, yeah. they have really good values and and morals. It's yeah. just it they kinda, don't worship just, evil, and yeah, they don't sacrifice babies. Yeah, no one's doing that, guys. Except for mm. all right, I'm not going to get into. <laughs> Ha-ha! What's your fun fact, Katie? So there's a theory that. Um, you know, spirits, when you see them walk through walls, uh-huh. it's not because they're spirits and they can walk through walls. Uh-huh. It's because, and this is also, I've talked about it several times now, how I think sometimes the spirits that you see, kind of like uh, Mr. Winter climbing up to the 17th mm-hmm. step, is just replaying a memory on a loop. Uh-huh. And it's just, it was so like traumatic and horrendous that the energy is strong enough that it can be right. perceived. Right. Um, and so people seeming to walk through walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the layout of the house mm-hmm. when you see it and then compare it to the layout of the house when the event occurred, oh. they're not walking through walls. They're walking down what was a hallway. Oh. So when the plantation was converted to a B and B, obviously right. it had to have some renovations and change it for, you know, Right. Uh, people to, you know, rent rooms. Right. So when people will see an apparition go through the wall, they're not... Mm-hmm. It's like the, the spirit is not seeing the right. way it is today. They're right. only seeing it how it was when they were there. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. I always thought it was really neat. Yeah. I remember when I first read that, I was just like... And they had a little diagram, and I'm like, huh. Makes sense. <laughs> so when I see a spirit just pass through my bedroom wall, I'll know that that's okay. because there used to be a doorway there. Can Got you it. stop referencing things like they're happening to you all the time? Because I don't like that. I'm not coming I back to your house. I thought you would get it was a joke. Okay. I have not seen any spirits in my house. Whatever. I'm not coming back to your house. I mean, I've heard them, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I realized? I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know why. I never go upstairs in your house, and the one time I think I ever went upstairs was the night of my birthday party when I came over to check on Jarek, and for, I don't know, I had to pee or something, and I... Jarek was in the downstairs Yep, and I have such a spotty memory of what the upstairs of your house... I was like, God, I know Katie took me up there. You saw one room. I know I used her bathroom. I think I saw two rooms. Didn't I see, like, your project room, or... I no, even, I think you saw the bedroom and I don't in know the bathroom. I couldn't even tell you like when you go up the stairs where your bedroom is. My memory of that <laughs> brief tour of your upstairs. <laughs> Ooh, that's what alcohol will do to you. Sorry. <laughs> okay, 
Are you ready for some specific stories? Mm-hmm. And then I have pictures to show you. Yes. Okay. So let's see. Okay. The current owners, uh, from when I did this research, are a couple named Tita and John Moss. So two weeks after moving in, Tita heard her husband calling her name in the house, but he wasn't home. And so she talked to a friend who also happened to be a supernatural expert, convenient. And this person told her that spirits will sometimes use voices that you're familiar with to make you feel comfortable and that the spirits at the plantation were welcoming her. I have a question about this. Isn't it also a thing that spirits will try to imitate voices to, like, lure you into a false sense of comfort? Is that a thing? It seems more like a human thing to me. It seems like an evil spirit thing to me. Or like a supernatural monster thing. Okay. there are, and we haven't mentioned Supernatural, the TV show, in a very long Mm, time. We haven't. But there are different creatures out there that can mimic voices in order to lure you. Okay. Well, I don't like this idea that... I would not find this welcoming. Well, I mean, that's more like uh, in the American Horror Story. Haven't mentioned that one in a while. <laughs> Murder House, where all of the spirits—not um, all of them, but a lot of them—are kind of sentient and aware of like, okay, we're we're dead, right? And we're stuck here forever, and they're aware of the other spirits that are in the house. Uh-huh. Some are still trapped in their loop and don't right. know that anything else is happening. Um, Spoiler alert, Katie. <laughs> I don't think there's any way I could spoil it. Um, but, you know, the spirits welcoming her and, like, mimicking a, a familiar voice to welcome her implies that they are, like, kind of like, sentient like that. Like they, yeah. They know someone else. Like, they, they know that they are in... What year was this? I don't know. Like they know the that 90s. they're in that year, not the seventeen or eighteen hundreds. Um, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, the next thing that happened. I'm never ever gonna let go of the fact of like the difference <laughs> between like, the spirits and how they act and manifest. Okay. Well, the following week, she heard her name called again, but this time it was in the voice of a childhood friend. And my question there is, how the f*** did they know what her childhood friend sounded like? How are they going to know that? If I'm in this house, how is the ghost going to know what Susan sounds like? She's never been in this house. Well, also, when was the last time you hung out with this friend? Like, how fresh in your memory is their voice? Could it be a different voice that just very familiar, like, similar to... Your friend, and so you just kind of automatically assume. I don't know. Susan has a very distinctive voice. Yes, she does. <laughs> I, would I, would, rec- I would recognize. That I one. would recognize it anywhere, in a very good way. Mm-hmm. But not everyone has a distinctive voice. This is true. Like you and I sound very similar. We do sound on, very similar on the recording. In person, not so much. But not so much. I think that just means that we're not hearing ourselves correctly. Holding that one in. Sorry. (laughs) I've been yawning all day. Okay. Um, So, Tita also says that her sons would sometimes see children playing on the property that obviously weren't there. Two little girls? Mm -hmm. Didn't say. So, in 1993, Tita and John's youngest son, whose name was Morgan, was ten and a half months old. He was taking a nap. 
as ten and a half months old do. And Tita was working in the next room. And she was working, and she heard, and this is a quote from her, a Lauren Bacall raspy voice. So I had to look up who Lauren Bacall is because I didn't know. She's an actress, was an actress from, like, the silver screen. And I guess she had, like, a very, like, sultry kind of deep voice. Yeah, the, like, raspy, smoky voice was very in, very glamour. Yes. So she heard a voice like that, I guess, say check on your baby and she ignored it because she thought she just imagined it and a few minutes later she heard the voice again say check on your baby first of all I'm not a fan of hearing a raspy voice out of nowhere gross so anyway she got up and checked on Morgan he was not in his room so she runs around the house looking for him Found him outside, toddling towards the pond. So she snatched him up, and this is a quote from her. She said, A warm blanket enveloped the two of us, so real I could feel the fabric and warmth. And then the voice again said to her, well, not again, the voice spoke again, and it said, quote, You need not worry, your family will never be harmed here. And she believes that the spirits are angels on the property. (laughs) Katie's making a face. Cringe. So, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, good for them for saving a baby, I guess? I'm here to ruin things. Do it. Mostly because I was okay with it until you came in with the whole angels thing. (laughs) It made me cringe, and now, screw it. I'm here to ruin it. Um... Mother's intuition is obscenely, like, strong and Mm -hmm. just not well understood. And, um, you know, like, mothers, like, I I know that there is the scientific research that uh, women, and especially mothers, are, like, tuned to higher frequencies. Right. So when your baby's crying in the middle of the night, normally... Like, before you become a mom, you may sleep like the dead. Yep. A freaking parade can come through <laughs> your bedroom, and you'll sleep through it. Right. You have a child, it cries, it'll wake you up. Right. Um, and then there's just, like, that that intuition of, like, you know, knowing something is off. Like, I've heard stories about, you know, the near misses with super danger, where yeah. it's always the mom is, like... They, you know, they're on a road trip and they pull over to get gas. And after a minute or two of being there, she's like, no, we need to leave. We need to go to the next gas station. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a day or two later, they hear on the news that there was at the same day and time, there was somebody there and like shot up the gas station and a bunch of people, stuff like that. So like there's, there's that sixth sense that I don't know how much of it was an actual voice of a spirit. Right. Or it was just that mother's intuition. She knew something was wrong. Sense, like some, you know. Yeah. Um, some subconscious receptors could sense that something wasn't right. Yeah. And it just kind of manifested in a voice in her head. Yes. Let's go with that because I don't like. Uh... Same thing with the warm blanket feeling mm-hmm. is. You check on your baby after you just heard a voice tell you to check on your baby twice. You do. He's not where he's <laughs> supposed to be. 
of course you're going to be freaking the f*** out. It's called like adrenaline. (laughs) And then, exactly, it's the stress, anxiety, the adrenaline rushing, rescuing him from potentially drowning Mm -hmm. in that pond. And then you've got him in your arms and you take that deep sigh of relief of like, it's okay. Like we we avoided disaster and like just that kind of overwhelming, like the the crash from the adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. I could definitely imagine like, like, ah, I I, I feel comforted as if I were covered in a blanket. And then you just imagine what a blanket would feel like. I like that idea better. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, better than angels. <laughs> that reminds me of Touched by an Angel, which is a show that my family used to watch every Sunday. And it was the one time my sister and I got to eat in the living room and we had grilled cheese. Every Sunday? Every Sunday. Wow. It was my mom would put down a sheet because she didn't trust us. And we would sit on the floor and eat our grilled cheese. And we had uh, cups that were shaped like crayons. And we would drink out of those and watch, uh, I guess, the only family-appropriate show my uber-conservative Christian family deemed okay, which was Touch by an Angel. Randy Travis was in an episode. It was a Christmas one. So, (laughs) okay, I've got one more story, and then I'm going to show you pictures. So, the director of tourism to this day is a woman named Hester Eby, or Eby, E-B-Y. She describes... And this is from, I believe, the, like, Myrtle's Plantation website, by the way. She describes seeing a little girl coming down the hall toward her with her parents. And the father asked to purchase two tickets, one for him and one for his wife. Hester asked, do you want one for your daughter? This is the what I consider a funny part of the story. She said the man looked confused and told her they couldn't have kids. Which... It's not funny, but... First of all, don't tell everyone your business. Just say, no, we don't have a daughter. Weird. I know people like this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyways, so Hester was confused because she's like, there's a little girl here. And she said she distinctly remembers the little girl because she wanted to tell her how pretty she looked. She had long blonde hair and was wearing a white antique dress. And so she was a normal person and didn't, like, push the issue because this guy was being super weird and had to tell everyone about their infertility issues. So after they're gone, she goes outside to look for this little girl. And as she's going back inside, she sees her on the porch. She said the little girl giggled and said, hello there, and then disappeared. So there's a little girl running around the property. One of the... Sarah's One of the kids, yeah. Hmm. So, now I'm going to show you some pictures, which these will be on the website. Sorry, we don't have a website. The Instagram. The website, Instagram.com slash the Tales We Tell podcast. podcast. Um, which I just opened. They're not on the Instagram right now. They're in my pictures. We will <laughs> definitely have a website one day when we can afford it. When we can afford it, guys. We don't have any money. Um, oh no, is my phone doing the... Th- Hold on. Let me turn off my Wi-Fi. My pictures don't want to load. Because my phone's out of memory or storage. Okay, the first picture, this is called the Chloe postcard. So, photos were taken of the house in 1993 for insurance purposes. 
And three years later, a historian was studying them and noticed a figure standing between the general store and the butler's pantry. The boards of the house can clearly be seen through the figure. This is the worst quality picture. Good grief. I'm sorry. My phone. I'm just going to show it to you, and then I'll show you the blown-up version. Okay. That is the picture. Um... So, uh, there's a researcher named Norman Benoit who examined this photo. Where am I supposed to be looking? Oh, I'll show you. Like, right, yeah. Where the white blur is, but like. Dark blur. And then I have another picture of it where it's more blown up. And just know that my phone has terrible resolution right now. So, (laughs) um,. He, this researcher, examined the photo, determined that all the physical measurements of the figure were of human proportion. You can zoom in on that one. Oh, well, now I see it. Yes. So this is a zoomed-in version, and I circled the Chloe figure. They just assume it's Chloe. Yes. Because she's the most famous of all of them. Well, good for her. Yes. Um, The next picture I'm calling the girl in the window... So, this was a photo that was taken of, I guess I don't have one where I didn't circle the ghost. Um, <laughs> so, this is a picture of a teacher with some of her students that were, I guess, taking a field trip. Um, they noticed something in the background of the picture, and they sent it to Dave Young of Paladin Paranormal, who in turn sent it to the Society of Physical Research in England, which is the oldest paranormal research group in the world. Um, So a bunch of places have um, examined this photo. Sorry, that is my bedtime alarm telling me it's time to go to bed. Um, I promise we're almost done. (laughs) Folks, it is 9pm. It's telling me to start winding down for bed. My alarm goes off at 5.30. I have a really hard time seeing this one. Well, lucky for you and for everyone. I mean, I can see, like, something that could be something, but, again, the resolution. Well, now I see a very creepy, angry, like, Chucky doll. <laughs> um, so they've... people, A bunch of people have um, observed or examined this photo. They have it down to, like, what kind of camera took the picture... And they've decided that it has not been doctored. And from my professional mind, if you look at the scale of... To me, that looks like a little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it could just be because of the, the pleated curtains behind mm-hmm. her, you know, spirit visage. Um, it just makes her look like she's looking off to the side and, like, scowling. Yeah, she looks really angry. She looks pissed. But if you look at her compared to the size of the chair that she's standing kind of behind, mm-hmm. that's, like, a accurate size for, like, a four- or five-year-old. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's a... Like, the proportions, kind of like with that yeah. last picture. The proportions are right for a child. She real mean-looking. Yeah, she just looks so angry. I know. <laughs> Uh, everyone look at our Instagram for those. I like when I do photo portions and, uh, my phone was not on silent. Sorry, everyone. Good thing I'm not popular and not getting any texts. Um, okay. So I'm going to round this out with some historical record situation. 
So, the one article, which I think was probably on Wikipedia, said that there's no record of the Woodruffs even owning slaves. That's incorrect. Revisionist history. So, I said, actually, in this... Woodruffs. I thought it was the Bradfords. The Woodruffs were... The Bradfords were the original ones to own it. Oh, that's right. Clark. Clark Woodruff. Woodruff. Okay, I didn't, the, I didn't remember... The rapey one. I didn't remember his last name. <laughs> Just Judge. Judge. McRakerson. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a record, and the, I got this from the dissertation. Uh, it's by a woman named Holly Ann Vaughn, and I'm going to, like, highlight the link for this one because... This this is what I'm gonna send to your dad. It's like several hundred pages, but it's very good. Um, According to her research, there's records that show that Judge Clark Woodruff owned at least five slaves in 1820, one male under the age of 14, two males between 14 and 44, one female under the age of 14, and one female between 14 and 44. There are no names attached to it. Of course, it's property. You don't name your. You don't items. name them. Actually, I used to um, <laughs> all of my things, and my former roommate and best friend—not former best friend, like <laughs> former roommate. I'm sorry. What kind of things did you name? Um, our microwave. Her name was Amy. Okay. And our toaster oven was Dave. And we actually drew their names on the front of them. You're a weirdo, Katie. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Have I introduced you to my knees? This is Paolo, and that's Francesca. Really? Well, I have two little scars on both my knees from my surgery that um. look like eyes. So I used to, when the, the scars were a little bit fresher, I used to get drunk and draw smiley faces and just decorate them a little bit. You're definitely a weirdo. Yeah. I named my boobs. This one's Brooke, and this one's Alex. No one calls them that except me. Uh... <laughs> Okay, my other uh, piece of information about this, as I mentioned before, I said it was a plantation that was 650 acres. Come on. They had slaves. They um, had more than a 14-year-old-ish boy, yeah. and two men, and a 14-year-old-ish girl, and another older yeah. than 14-year-old you woman. have a 650-acre plantation that you're just chilling there by yourself with. I mean, just because you have all those acres doesn't mean you're actively farming all of them. True. Like, a lot of it could just be open pasture for animals, and then there could be you know, several acres, but obviously not necessarily 600 acres worth of, like, right. crop, like, cotton growing fields. But we're going to assume that they I mean, were bad people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the other thing is that Sarah and her daughters all supposedly died of yellow fever. But, like, potato, potato. Everyone had yellow fever back then, Mm -hmm. so whatever. Well, I mean, there just wasn't very good, um... Hygiene? Well, there... (laughs) Yes, that. There wasn't great record-keeping, and also, um, a great medical understanding of different diseases. Yes. So, I mean... You know, much like with COVID, (laughs) you know, you can have these symptoms and then your husband or wife or roommate or whomever that you share space with Mm -hmm. can have none of those symptoms, but all these others and you're both positive. So who knows (laughs) if it's COVID or not? Who knows if it's yellow fever or or oleander poisoning? It's fine. 
Um, well, if you want to explore these ghosts for yourself, you can visit the Myrtle's Plantation. Uh, it is, I think you can go there for just tours if you want, or you can stay at the bed and breakfast, or you can eat at the restaurant. If you want to stay there, the garden rooms start at $165 a night. Uh, they go all the way up to around $280, which is Judge Clark Woodruff's suite. And, uh, tours are 15 bucks for an hour, or if you want to be fancy and get a private tour, it's a hundred bucks, but they are available seven days a week. Um, go to the myrtlesplantation.com. It has a ton of information. That's where I got a lot of this. Um, also look in the show notes at that dissertation because it has a, it's, it's, I've never read a dissertation before. This one was interesting. I don't know. The historical ones usually are more interesting than, like, the science ones. I mean, the science ones are interesting because of the science, but as far as, like, as far as, like, just a read goes, it's a bit dry. Yeah. Um, Whereas the the historical ones are a little bit more interesting. There's, like, drama and Yeah, it reads more as, like, kind of a a story. Yeah. Uh, And then also, I have to encourage everyone. Science data. Data tells a story. You're such a nerd, Katie. You're really showing your nerd tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'm just being me. Just being true to myself, okay? Okay. Um, I want to sing that song from Mulan now. Uh, also, everyone, go read the Alexander Hamilton biography by Ron Chernow. It inspired the musical if you haven't watched it. It's on Disney+. Plus. And I'm looking at our timer right now. We've been going for almost an hour and 15 minutes. So we're going to let everyone go. My bedtime timer went off, so it's bedtime for me. But thank you for indulging me with this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I said, I had already been thinking about doing this place as I'm so a glad topic. I beat you to it. I know. This one was actually very easy and fun to research, so sometimes I get ones where there's not like any information. It is super famous, like People I've everywhere. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe it's just super famous. <laughs> Louisiana. Never mind. Oh, all right. Everyone have a great week. Much better week than me. Yep. Ugh. Okay, bye. Bye.